This episode is brought to you by our Patreon page over at patreon.com slash gamezilla media. Which means this episode is brought to us by you. Right? That's how not it works. no, not me. No, no, the fan. Right, yeah. The yes. listener. We're talking when I say you, I mean the listeners. Yes, the the figurative you, right? Yes. But nobody else is in here with us as we record this. Who I'm are you lo- talking I'm about? I'm looking at the computer when I say it. Oh. Oh, oh no. Alright. So just go to GameZilla Media on Patreon.com. There you'll be able to choose your patronage level and get different access to the shows. So you can get exclusive content for The Legend of Retro and Noobs and Dragons. Noobs and Dragons? The show with that handsome devil, Craig WK? Well, almost all of those words were right. Yeah. And if you go on there and sign up, you can also get access to a private Discord channel in our Discord group. Basically, the more dollars you give us, the more things we can give you. Exactly. So go to patreon.com slash gamesillamedia and become a patron today. Do it. Yeah. Prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. And welcome to the Legend of Retro. I am The Glitch, and here with me is the amazing WK. Indeed I am. Uh, great to always uh, be here with you, The Glitch. Uh, today uh, we're talking about uh, uh, a game that you really, really like, right? Like this it, is uh, this is ranks pretty high for you, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, so if you, if you got me a, uh, if you were like, hey Tony, give me a top five PlayStation games list, this would be in there for sure. Top five. Wow. Now, uh, I never really played this quite as much, so I I don't have quite as much nostalgia for it. Uh, But today we're talking about Siphon Filter. Yeah, Siphon Filter uh, released in February of 1999 in Japan. Um, And then it was developed by Acidic, Adetic. Uh, Eidetic, yep, Eidetic. And published by 989 Studios. Yeah, so Siphon Filter is a third-person shooter, and it stars Gabe Logan, a special agent tasked by the American government to stop a terrorist from using a viral bioweapon to wreak havoc upon the world. Yeah, it says Gabe, Gabriel Gabe Logan. Mm-hmm. No, oh, he needs a nickname. No yeah. relation to Ted Theodore Logan. Ted Theodore Logan? Oh, yeah, from Bill and Ted. Oh, right. How could I forget? Uh, so the, so I'll just say this right off the bat. So this game, when it starts up, it, it has the 989 Studios intro. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, something always bothered me growing up about, about that intro. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came out with sports games, 989 Studios did, mm-hmm. and uh, the intro would would play as itself, and then... Later in the years, as more sports games came out, I had noticed something. Yeah? EA Sports. Right. Had literally the same intro. Okay, so so let's go ahead and give them a listen, and we'll let our fans decide. So we're going to play the 989, and this is specifically for their sports games, though, right? Yeah, so this was for, like, Face Off. Um, I, I'm trying to think of what their baseball name was. Um, but, yeah, they had their own line of sports games. And then EA Sports got into the mix with Madden and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, give us a listen. This yeah. is a 99 Studio. Okay. 99 so, Sports. Yeah. yeah, so let's go ahead and give this a uh, quick listen here. Okay. So. Yeah, okay. That, that sounds pretty familiar. And I think the reason it sounds familiar is because of this. 
EA Sports. It's in the game. I mean, so you might think that I'm crazy. <laughs> no, no, that sounds very, very similar. So I always, growing up, I always thought, oh, I, I guess 989 merged themselves into EA. <laughs> and they just kind of like, yeah, so we had a name change. We became EA. I never really put two and two together until later when I was like, oh, wait, no, they didn't. There was no, uh, there's no uh, connection between the two. It's just complete opposites. But I just always thought that jingle was the exact same. I mean, it's pretty similar. It's uh, uh, it's a, a loud noise, and then it's an announcer saying the studio name. In EA's case, they they add that it's in the game, uh, which is, I mean, I will say, like, I, I, I never really played as that many sports games when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But you know that I knew EA Sports. <laughs> it's in the game. You know, it's just yeah. like it, when it just everybody knew it. Uh, so okay, so so nine eight nine would have come out after EA. So 989 ganked that off of uh, EA? So, I, I and I, I didn't dive into this as much, but I'm pretty sure that EA wasn't, it didn't have that jingle until the 2000s. Oh. So that wasn't until like like Madden 2001, 2002, mm-hmm. when they started the EA Sports in the game. I could be completely wrong. I didn't dive into it. Yeah. But as far as my memory goes, the timeline was 989 and then EA. <laughs> okay, so so 989 was uh, uh, setting some, uh, uh, you know, or breaking some boundaries there and, uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of going above and beyond even before EA did. <laughs> so how does that match up with their game Siphon Filter, though? So so this is one of your top five PlayStation games of all time. Yeah, I played this a ton. Okay, so I, I and, and we had mentioned before it's a shooter. So let's go ahead and talk about the, the gameplay a bit. Okay, so uh, it's a stealth shooter, uh, third person, like Craig had said, and uh, you're you're hired by the United States government uh, to fight off a terrorist mm-hmm. and why Eric Romer. Oh yes, Romer, I, uh... international terrorist, Eric Romer, and uh, he's using plants in Costa Rica to create a virus. Yeah, I now I. I... Yeah, before we delve into the gameplay, the 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 plot I thought was very Tom Clancy. It was very uh uh you know like like in the opening to the game, it's like you know they they get to this spot in Costa Rica and like uh, Gabriel's like partner or comrade or whatever has been like killed by this like uh, uh, terrorist and uh. You know, it's like, oh, these plants, they're not being used for drugs. Oh, what are they being used for? And then it like cuts over and it's like and it's very, very Tom Clancy. I uh, and I, I've not read a ton of Tom Clancy's work. I've, I've only read, oh, I think, like uh, uh, Hunt for Red October and a few of his other works. But it's very, very military minded. It's kind of direct into the point, And it's very it kind of jumps around to different locales, kind of like Siphon Filter did, because when I was watching the gameplay for it to do some research, I uh, I noticed that that where it was like you know it's like Gabriel we need you to investigate this spot I'm on it and then it's like it cuts over to the next spot and they're like okay like this is the thing that we need okay this is what we're doing all right go you yeah know? there's so much crammed into the first like three minutes of the opening scene <laughs> it really is they really get to the point and uh, and uh, it's just. It's one of those things where the it has great cutscenes. I thought for the time. Oh, I think for and, the time uh, they were pretty good. And yeah, so there's just it's just very dramatic the whole time. Oh, we need this done, and I'm on it, and then you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's dead. Oh my god. And, oh yeah, the I uh, I. Uh, so the the voice acting, 
I didn't. I thought it was okay. Like I, I feel like it was like they they did an okay job. That's a lot better than a whole lot of other PlayStation games at the time. Because let's face it, the PlayStation in that era had pretty lousy voice acting. But I feel like there wasn't, and it's probably because they probably weren't being paid nearly enough. I didn't feel like there was a lot of emotion behind things. It was like when uh, when Gabriel finds the body of like his comrade who's dead. He's just like. He's dead. And it's like, oh, there's like you, you you're like this is a guy you worked with. If I like walked into an office, uh, uh, one of the offices at work and somebody was just dead, it, my response wouldn't just be, oh, he's dead. There'd be a little bit more emotion behind that. I'll give you that. He does sound pretty <laughs> monotone throughout the whole whole game. And even his partner, I, I, oh, and her name is Leon, Leon Zing. Uh, yeah. And I. I Probably pronounced Xing, right? Is it Xing? I think an X in Chinese becomes an SH sound. Okay. I think. I could be crazy. They never say her last. I, I don't know. Maybe they did in the cutscenes, but. I don't think they did because I was he listening. She's always referring to her as Leon, so. Because I, I, as I played, like, as I was watching through the, the gameplay, I was like, man, I, I think that her last name is pronounced uh, uh, Xing, but I was like, I kind of want to hear it just to be safe. I don't want to, like, butcher the pronunciation. Mm-hmm. I, I try to make sure that I pronounce names correctly on the show. And I kept listening and, like, you know, watching through cutscenes, and I was like, are they going to say her name? Like, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, so, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not entirely sure. But, uh, but yeah, even her, uh, she's pretty monotone. She's just like, Gabe, you need to go do this. Okay. Gabe, they've planted a bomb on this orphanage. You're going to have to stop that. And it's like, you don't want to have a little, you don't want to emote a bit. Like, they're they're like the, the most evil people on the planet right now. So, so there's a scene, and actually it's one of my favorite cutscenes uh-huh. in the game. And it's in the second level, there's a, there's a part where a bomb goes off in the subway. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And there's just like... It's awesome how how it looks, and in the in the the train, you know, it, it flips and it turns and it catches on fire and it's blocking all these different ways. It's actually a cool level to play because mm-hmm. you got to figure out how to get to the second level. The stairs are blocked. Okay, but anyways, after that cutscene, it's funny now that you say this. Uh, she's like, "Oh my God, Gabe, what just happened?" <laughs> right? See that that was that. So it's not that the voices are bad. And it's not that they're hammy or anything. It's just that there's not a lot of emotion behind them. And I and I'm sure that you know when when I uh, uh, you know Identic Studios was like, hey, here's the money to do the voice acting. I'm sure the voice actors were like, this is seven dollars and a ham sandwich. And they were like, yeah, you get to work. <laughs> you know, I'm sure because uh, like this game had a little bit of a rocky uh, creation uh, process. Yeah, apparently it almost got canceled several times. Yeah, so I I. Uh, the the team like had never really done anything like this before, and PlayStation didn't have a lot of games like this, uh, so they didn't really have anything they could kind of model it after. So they kind of had to just do their own thing. And I will say, uh, uh, and to kind of bring it back to the gameplay here, uh, I thought the danger meter was kind of a cool feature because as it raises up, it summons more like random spawns of enemies. Uh, at least that's it's supposed to be the mechanic behind it. At least, the, you know, maybe in practice it doesn't usually work that way. I'm not sure. Yeah, I thought the danger meter was really cool because it's almost like the – so how it works is there's a red bar, and as it gets full, it's almost like the enemies are taking aim, and then once they finally get a clear shot of you, then the bar is full. That's how he's kind of oh. like thought of the process because yeah. they'll shoot at you mm-hmm. when that danger meter is growing, but they don't hit you ever. It's only until the meter's full that you start getting hit, and it's almost oh. like they got—it's almost like they got you locked in. Like no matter what you do, until that, as long as that danger meter is full, 
you're going to get hit unless you do like a roll or something. I gotcha. Okay, so maybe that's how the danger meter works. Because I, I noticed when I was doing the, uh, like watching the gameplay, it did seem like as he was making the, the guy who was playing, uh, making a lot of noise, it seemed like more enemies were popping around. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was maybe just like a random, like a, a regular, I should say, uh, AI thing or not. Uh, but I. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought that uh, the the gameplay looked uh, pretty fun. It didn't like because a lot of shooter games from that era, I feel like had uh, uh, kind of like annoying controls. It was hard to hit enemies, or it was you know just painfully easy because it was just like lock on shoot, lock on yeah. shoot. Okay, you know, it seemed like it was uh, 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 you know fairly easy to hit enemies, but it wasn't like you know painfully easy. The game the gameplay is clunky i think to today's standards well sure i mean the, all, a lot of games from the back movement then is a bit difficult and it's kind of it's mm-hmm. kind of similar to uh tomb raider where uh in order to turn left or right you have to turn you know press left or right on the on the d-pad and then to go forward you have to press four on the d-pad so there's really no way to to turn while running oh it's, it's kind of like style a, controls yeah 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 tank style yeah exactly um and so it you know there was no analog sticks at the time right and, so, uh, so like that's pretty annoying. But uh, the target lock I thought was one of the coolest things. It's the R one button, I believe, and you you press it and it locks onto an enemy, no matter where they are on the screen. You press it again if there's a second enemy, it'll switch between the two. So you just keep hitting R one, you switch between the enemies. Yeah. Well, so there, uh, a little bit of unbalanced in this game mm-hmm. was uh, the taser. Oh, the taser. Did I don't you, know if I saw that. So, there, uh, I love this. It's almost like it's its own meme, I feel like, back in the day. Uh-huh. Uh, the taser could shoot ridiculous distances. So, there, there's, a lef- there's a level where you're, where you're at the stronghold uh, building. It's like this big mansion. And there's people that are way across the whole, the whole level. Uh-huh. And you can shoot the taser all the way to them. And as long <laughs> as you hold it down, it'll tase them. They'll catch fire. What? <laughs> What? Scream, and then they'll die. What? That is terrifying. So you could literally play this whole game just with the taser, except against enemies that have the flak jacket because you have to do the headshots. Oh, but man. It's literally, you could just walk around and just tase, and they're just, ah, they catch fire, and then they, <laughs> then they die. It's, That's not how it's tasers the most work. Un, unbalanced weapon in the game, but it's so much fun. So so okay. So let's let's dwell on this for a second. Glitch. So when it comes to the taser, what style is it? Is it the kind that like you ha- would have to hit someone with, like the to uh, make contact with, where it creates electricity in between like two forks? So it it shoots out like like little prongs. Oh, okay, it's so it is the ones. it's the kind that launches out the prongs on the like string. Yeah. So it shows the string like flying towards the person. How? <laughs> what is the ridiculous range of this? Because to the best of my knowledge, tasers like that. Have a pretty short range. Oh, as long as you can lock onto them, it just goes. <laughs> so, like, they could be like three stories up. Yeah. You could lock on and just. And yeah. then they catch fire. As long as they can get uh, an eye on you and get your that danger meter going, you can lock onto them and kill them with the taser. I, I don't even know how much electricity you would have to pump into somebody for them to also catch fire. Well, the other thing, too, is. Don't those things take like forever to reload or whatever? Don't you have to get those things back and load it up? And, well, sure, and, yeah. I, yeah. I, I've never actually yeah, used one. I don't have one. any experience with yeah. uh, My only experience is siphon filter. <laughs> <laughs> so, to the best of your knowledge, oh, taser is amazing. Yeah, mis- you know, screw the uh, the nine millimeter. Give me the taser. <laughs> Seriously, good lord, that is it ridiculous. I I had no idea such a thing was in this game. That that's amazing. I. 
So, so one more thing to talk about the mm-hmm. the gameplay, which was actually one, yeah. So I didn't I didn't I, at the time I I wasn't into Metal Gear Solid, so the stealth genre wasn't really mm-hmm. I wasn't that into it when I when I played this. Um, there's a level where you have to follow um, I can't think of the character's name, um, and you have to be you know stealthy. Yeah. So as you're going through the level, you have to snipe you know uh, you have a silencer on your gun. And you have to headshot all the enemies and follow him into this meeting that he's about to have. And uh, that was always like my favorite. That's basically like my favorite level in mm-hmm. the game because it was just like this new element like, oh, you got to sneak across. Yeah. You got to use these headshots. And if you miss, if you didn't get the headshot, they get alerted and you got to restart the level over. Oh, so it's not even just where it's like it alerts guards and you have to uh, fight some guards and like get back into stealth mode. You legitimately, it's just like, oh, they heard you. That's yep. it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you can't have him be alerted that, you, mm-hmm. that you're following him. So, yeah, it restarts the level. And it just gets you into that whole, like, memorizing the level where everyone's yeah. walking, where the people go and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, I, I will say I, I do appreciate that. And, and I'm sure they, they sort of lifted a little bit of that from Metal Gear Solid because I believe that came out before Siphon Filter did. Uh, but, I, but, yeah, I, I – I, well, what's that? Uh, so you did mention uh, we had talked about how it almost got canceled. Yeah. And it, what one of the problems was that it had lack of inspiration. So GoldenEye was out at the time, and I mm-hmm. think that's what they based a little bit of the whole method was. You know, it's third person versus first person shooter. Yeah. Um, but so the studio was pretty inexperienced. So you had Chris Reese, who was the lead programmer. Okay. Who his only experience uh, um, was Bubsy 3D. Oh, now that is something I wanted to chat about. Oh, yeah, we can talk about it. So this studio, Eidetic Studios, which came out with Siphon Filter, and uh, critics uh, pretty much you know, thought that it was a pretty great game. I got a lot of great reviews. Their only other game at that time was Bubsy 3D. And for our fans who are unaware, Bubsy 3D is hailed as one of the worst video games of all time. I've never... Played it myself, but I have watched somebody play it online, and it looked utterly atrocious. <laughs> it, the gameplay looked tight, like like you know how like you can't really tell if a game like a game like a, a game has bad controls by watching it. Of course, you could somehow tell, like you could somehow watch this guy playing this, and it was just like, oh, this just seems weird and uncomfortable. Like, why is this a thing? So that studio. Made siphon filter. Yeah, th- uh, Bubsy is the kind of game that will just destroy a studio. Like it would just literally. Like, nowadays, it I feel should. Like, I feel like they should have been bankrupt at this point. <laughs> they absolutely should have. And, and, and the fact that uh, that was three years before this came out. So I mean, what were they doing? They had, I, I, I think it's amazing that because at this time, I think the industry was getting a little bit more cutthroat. Like yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't like back in the day, Atari, Nintendo. When you could program, you know, a couple, two or three games a year, you know, one person could basically, he could have a bad game and a good game here and there and it wouldn't do much. Yeah. But like here, this is when it started to get to that era where you got to have a good game. If you have a bad game, I mean, it could, it could put you out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it is a wonder that they were able to, to continue. Like the fact that 989 Studios saw Bubsy 3D and they were like, Okay, they deserve a second chance. Like that that blows my mind. Like I mean good on them that it they did get that second chance because the Siphon Filter series ended up, you know, spawning quite a few games. Uh, you know, so so good on uh Eidetic Studios for that. 
but man, they made Bubsy 3D. <laughs> like what? So this programmer uh, created Bubsy 3D. Uh, yep. And and so like, it, was there any other like big big names that uh, worked on this or anything like that? So Mark Blank uh, was the executive producer, and he basically, I mean, this was mm-hmm. his first big producing role. Oh. So I mean, you just had all these people that it's like, oh, what do we do here? What do we do here? And I mean, they were they were trying to create this game, and they were just having a hard time. Um, I read that the script had changed drastically. It was supposed to be more like a sci-fi game. Oh, really? Originally, and Mark had had basically it was like, no, we got to we got to change this. I I'm glad that they did because I feel like if if they like turned siphon filter into like shooting aliens, yeah, and it was stuff, supposed to be like a intergalactic type like <sighs> aliens. Yeah, that would be weird and everything. And yeah, <laughs> I, I and I mean I'm sure if the gameplay stayed the same, it would end up still working out fine. But I don't know. That just seems like it wouldn't go very well. With the uh, well, but then again, we're we're used to this Tom Clancy esque story of you know, ma- you know human made viruses being let leashed or unleashed upon the world and stuff. And the thing about the virus too is, uh, it's it was you could make it specific to a demographic, yeah, which is real scary to think yeah, about. That's, honestly, it's crazy. So you could pretty much like go to a country and it would only kill certain people. Like that's mind-boggling like you could program it like what is I, well, that's the thing is you can't do that that's not a thing i <laughs> uh, i mean well i mean arguably everyone's genetics are slightly different but like there's no way you could have it be like i want this virus to kill you know people from argentina but not any other south african or a south american <laughs> country and you know like there's no way like that's not a thing that can't happen you know the virus doesn't know your like what country you're in i uh, you know but i but yeah i mean the the idea behind the the game even if it is a little over the top i mean that is like scary like you know i'm sure that that's what they were going for was just like the the sort of like that fear factor the you know? yeah exactly i mean it, it's been dramatic the whole way through and then oh, yeah. and then leon gets 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 uh she gets the the, the virus so now they're like rushing to try and get this cure now and by the end of the game <laughs> what's funny is by the end of the game they, she hasn't gotten the cure yet like they still don't know yeah, you know, and uh, uh, there is a, a cliffhanger ending to this game, uh, which I thought was kind of strange. You don't really get a lot of closure, do you? No, it kind of ends op- open-ended. Yeah, so I, I, I thought that was kind of interesting that they were like, you know, Identic Studios went off of making Bubsy 3D, they made Siphon Filter, they had no clue if it was going to be successful, and they sat there and they were like, Oh yeah, they're gonna want a sequel to this, and then they put it out. And I mean, you know, kudos of course to them that they, you know, they ended up spawning what like four or five more games, maybe even a few more if you count like PSP. Yeah, this I mean, it was pretty well received. The uh, IGN gave it a nine point five, which I don't know. I don't, I don't always trust IGN anymore, but um, Metacritic gave it a ninety, and then uh, Gamespot TV gave it a ninety. Do you know what Gamespot TV is? Gamespot TV. Does that sound familiar at all? Kind of. So that was X-Play. Oh, that was X-Play. So I remember, because I remember when this game came out, that's when I started watching, you know, video game television. Yeah, uh, G, uh, what was it, G, G? It was like Tech TV, I think, at the time. Oh, Tech TV But then the it time. became G4, yeah. G4, that's um, right. But yeah, so uh, this was the show, and Adam Sussler was the host, and I was like, oh, this is great. Uh-huh. I just started watching this all the time, and then it changed to Extended Play, and then that's when they became X-Play. But yeah, games, uh, GameSpot TV, that was the original name of the show, uh, gave it a 90 out of 100. So, wow. Yeah. yeah, a lot of uh, 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 video game or uh, uh, video game magazines and stuff really liked Siphon Filter. They really got into it. And, uh, uh, you know, 
I never really played it that much when I was younger. Uh, so I do want to ask uh, Glitch, uh, like, you know, I didn't have that experience when I was a kid. You know, I, I maybe I played it in a demo, you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't remember offhand. Uh, but uh, as far as that goes, like, did you just get this, like, for, like, your birthday or Christmas? And it was just sort of like a fluke? Or was this, like, you know, like, how, how did you first come to play this? I want to say it was on a demo as well. Oh, okay. I, I, I might be wrong. I might have just rented it from the video game store and then been like, oh, my God, this is great. Just that subway scene, which is the second level. Yeah. It's just it pulls you in because mm-hmm. then it's like, you know, you're on high alert and there's flames everywhere. Yeah. And he catches fire easy. Like <laughs> you walk up to a flame and it's almost like it jumps at you and he catches on fire and then he's dead. Gabe which is very flammable. I'll get into later. But um, but yeah, it was the cut scenes. I, I think I think that's what drew me in a lot. There's one scene. Mm-hmm. Where he's at um, an expo, and it's actually, um, this is right after you do the stealth mission where you got to use the silencer. Yeah. He jumps down through, like, a glass ceiling. Because mm-hmm. he's like, i got to get to this lower level in this dinosaur exhibit. <laughs> yes, I know that sounds amazing in the, in the plot. <laughs> but uh, uh, he, like, drops down from the rafters and crashes through this glass ceiling. And it's just, like, so cool. It's so awesome. Uh-huh. It's kind of over the top. Yeah. But it's just it's just one of those scenes that always stuck out for me. And uh, I just remember it was it was basically that that kind of drew me in. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I, I don't blame you. The, the, the cutscenes and the, the plot, you know, I mean, because there's so many games where it's like you get an opening and you get an ending and you don't really know what happens in the interim. You know, they just send you to levels and you're just like, oh, no, I'm at a museum. All right. Fair enough. I'll, I'll. I'll deal with it, I guess. But, you know, in this game, at least they're like, hey, you know, we need to go here for this. This is the reason we're in this area. You know, they lay that uh, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the groundwork, which I can appreciate. You know, I'm, I'm you know, glad they were able to do stuff like that. And uh, I, I did want to, of course, chat about the music. But before I derail us into the music <laughs> and force us to chat about that for a bit, uh, what, el- what else did you want to uh, bring up uh, when it comes to Siphon Filter? This is one of your favorite games. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it's a it's an it's a. So part of the gameplay is you can jump jump up to building, you know, jump up to ledges, yeah. grab on the ledges, which is just a disaster to begin with because <laughs> there's so many glitches in this game. Really? Oh, yeah. It's just basically people grabbing onto invis- invisible ledges and going out of bounds. Oh. It's so easy to do in this game. Interesting. Um, but uh, the rolling also, I guess, was a big glitch that you could use. And yeah. it's using a lot of speedrunners. Um, there's a big skip you can do where you just roll off of a, t- a really tall area and then you grab onto a ledge far away mm-hmm. and it's basically you skip almost a whole level oh, in uh, in Romer's base. Oh, okay. So, uh, so I mean, I just wanted to point that out that it's just a glitchy mess. <laughs> but, uh, Go figure that you, the glitch, enjoy this glitchy mess of a game. Yeah. Uh, but the speed running, uh-huh. there, uh, so there's 20 missions in total. Mm-hmm. Um, did you want to give a guess on the speedrun time? Oh, let's World see. Time. I, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna lowball it because I feel like I always highball it and I'm always like way off. I'm gonna say that somebody can beat this game in about like 45 minutes. So it's an hour three. Wow, really? So I I uh, uh, undershot way off you this know, time. When I was when I was looking at this, I don't know. I don't remember this game being as long. Yeah. But then it, I guess 20 missions it does add up. I mean, you think yeah. about you know five minutes a mission that that makes sense. And I guess stealthing probably takes a lot longer yeah. for levels than other things too. So it's not like yeah, you just rush there's through. There's some it. levels where you basically just have to go through that linear path. Yeah, because it has a lot of checkpoints. 
you gotta break this lock. You gotta turn off this siren. You gotta oh, okay. switch this elevator. You gotta do things like that. So uh, Baron Hayes, uh, he's the one that has the record, um, and uh, that was uh, broken earlier this year. Oh, nice. So uh, still people playing. It's a, it's funny to see whenever you go into speedruns.com to be like, oh yeah, what's this game that came out like 25 years ago? Oh, someone beat this last week? Like, <laughs> people are still playing this game? Like, you know, I, I like for the, for the, the, the fan of retro games in me, like I really, I do, I definitely appreciate that. And, uh, but there's another part of me like you where it's like, why are you doing this? Like, do you hate yourself? Do you not own other things? But I, uh, yeah, the I, uh, like that, that's crazy. I, I, I thought for sure I was like, you know, forty-five minutes, and maybe it'll even be shorter than that. But I guess it is like still the 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 linear missions and stuff, you know, that you can't just barrel roll your way out of. But so there there are spots where you can barrel roll through fire and still survive. But I guess it's like really, really, uh really risky because the barrel roll is a mechanic that like just makes you immune to damage for a short time right yeah and there's almost i want to say this was uh if someone's got you locked in Mm -hmm. you just keep rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling they can never hit you (laughs) for the record i just imagine this dude in army fatigues and like you know like uh, like uh, or the black and gray army fatigues (laughs) you can't see me it's just barrel rolling in circles around this guy who's shooting he's just like what is this guy i can't kill him (laughs) what is this maneuver i can't (laughs) I can't get a lock on him. He's in camouflage, like you can't see me. <laughs> just barrel rolling around. I. Uh, so is that the trick to the game? Just barrel rolling through everything. I mean, so the barrel and the taser. I mean, that's all you need. <laughs> you just grab your taser and just roll everywhere, and then see people. I just, I just imagine this guy curled into a ball, rolling with like these like prongs with strings just flying all over the place, shocking everyone and lighting them on fire. Man, there's something that really sounds great. We should make that game. <laughs> I just like what? Oh man, it's just horrifying. Honestly, it's just honestly kind of horrifying. So the music, um, yeah. So the music is, um, uh, yeah, it's lackluster. It it, it kind of was. I I I had kind of high hopes. I was like, oh, you know, siphon filter. This is you know, a lot of people really like this game. Uh, the uh, the music was composed by uh, Chuck Dode, uh, who also worked on. Jet Moto 3, 3 Extreme, Cool Borders 3, but he did not work on Siphon Filter 3. Oh, he didn't finish the he didn't, trifectas. He, yeah, he did not finish the trifectas for the uh, the games he's worked on. Yeah, he's worked on a whole lot of threes and then Siphon Filter. What's strange? So, um... Mm-hmm. Was Siphon Filter before these ones? Uh, you know, I actually uh, uh, didn't double-check that. Because those games are very, like... I mean, extreme. It's pretty extreme. <laughs> so I feel like the music has to very, be very upbeat. This is is just kind of like a, it's just monotone drums and and like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I would say that there's some upbeatness to some of the the tracks I was I I had heard. So I I tell you what, let's go ahead and uh, give a listen. The the first one you uh, had chosen is the uh, title theme. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's go ahead and uh, give this a quick listen here.
so it's uh it's I mean it's not like it's bad. It's yeah. just kinda average kind of mediocre it's like sort of like oh, okay this is what i expect for a game like this but it didn't go beyond my standards and it didn't go lower than my standards yeah it's hard to say because the music is, is definitely different than i think most games um but it's it's a bit techno-y almost yeah it is quite techno-y and i'm not sure maybe you know what it almost reminds me of and maybe this is kind of going to be weird and you won't agree uh but uh it almost reminds me of like like a tv show sitcom like a like a an eight o'clock on fox uh you know like friday nights or something show uh where you know it's like about like you know cops and crime drama and stuff that's almost yeah. what it reminds me of and maybe that's what uh uh our friend uh was going for uh uh chuck D- uh dode uh but uh let's go ahead and listen to uh, another track here i i had given a quick uh listen to the soundtrack here and uh one of them that caught my attention was the battle with mara aramov who's like uh she's like a mercenary you fight and then she joins you right yeah uh so let's go ahead and uh give this a listen Now that I hear the the music isolated like that, yeah, it kind of does sound more. Uh, I hear the, like the Jet Moto. I do hear that <laughs> the Jet Moto we did. I can see like <laughs> I can see myself playing like Wave Race sixty four in this song be playing. <laughs> That's I, I I I never thought that I would use Jet Moto as like a uh, like an like what an adjective to describe <laughs> something. It's very Jet Moto y. It's uh it's very uh Cool Borders three e. Uh, so yeah, the the music came out kind of average, but it uh, uh, all in all, it's still somewhat impressive in that it does capture that like you know this is a crime drama kind of or maybe not even crime drama like a uh, like espionage kind of drama. Uh, you know, it sort of captures that sitcommy feel that the sort of the plot uh, uh, kind of you know pushes forth and stuff. So I, I think that it does deserve some praise for that. Aside from uh, uh, touching base on the music and siphon filter uh, uh, as a whole, like uh, uh, any other uh, uh, thoughts that you had on the game? So this did come out on the uh, PlayStation Classic that was released. <clears throat> oh, was this on the uh, the Classic? Yep, it was one of the ones I made the lineup in the North American version. So I always thought this would be a great game to remake. Yeah, I I think I think the PlayStation era, and I've probably said this a couple times already on the show, N sixty four PlayStation. I think this is. Really, the only time period where people should concentrate on remaking the games, because with the graphics and how they've moved, honestly, like Super Nintendo games, it's not really you're changing. It's still you know the eight bit or sixteen bit. Uh, I think it looks great. Everything I think aged very well for the most part. Oh yeah, absolutely. Anything sprite based. But it's this polygon look. <laughs> it and, doesn't and look stuff, good. And now that we got analog sticks, like uh, like I had mentioned, there was no analog sticks, so the controls are clunky. This would be a great game to remake. You know, it is funny that uh, uh, 
you know, you have so many like companies that are like, like, you know, Square Enix, they went and they were like, hey, let's make Secret of Mana again. And everyone was like, yeah, but why? Like, that game's great. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 we got this. And it was it was just Secret of Mana again with like a different art style, but like it wasn't needed, yeah. you know? And so like, I do feel like a lot of companies remake games. They really don't need to when like, you know, the, like you said, like there are some clunkier games that could stand to be remade. Like, you know, the, whether it's the graphics or in this case, especially the controls, you know, that tank style is just a little bit on the a little dated. Yeah. And I mean, so we're supposed to get, Resident Evil 2 this year. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that one because I do feel like that that's on that list of games that just, it didn't look that great. I mean, the game was still good. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the games aren't good. They're just, they can be improved with today's controls and graphics. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do feel like that while there is a certain charm to the uh, the polygon look, you know? Yeah. It, I feel like it's born of nostalgia, though, because like I'm sure that if if anyone younger looks at a lot of these games, they're just gonna be like, "This is a mess! Like, what is this? You can glitch outside the walls! Like, like what is going what? on? What? You know?" And, and it, like you said, though, I do feel like you know anything that's like sprite based, uh, uh like you know, uh, Xander and I had talked about Legend of Mana previously uh, a few episodes ago, and that was PlayStation. But when you look at it, the game is gorgeous. And it's because you 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 know you you have like an art style that's sort of timeless, and then you have that like sort of the fad of the time polygons that they were still trying to get the hang of, and it just you know just doesn't look the the way it should or what they envisioned. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Legend of Retro podcast. We're going to take a quick pause here in the show and tell you about one of our sponsors. Hey, it's me, everybody, Tim Kittrow. I'm here to talk to you about Old School Gamer. Old School Gamer is the magazine for gamers. It covers arcade and retro gaming, gives you gaming history and in-depth interviews with people like me who are there, and it lets you know what conventions are happening and when. Issues come out once every other month. Plus, a website full of even more razzle-dazzle, and it's all for just 30 bucks a year. So visit OldSchoolGamer.com and subscribe now. Boom-shakalaka! Jones in for a classic game? It's time for Retro Relapse on the Legend of Retro Podcast. Retro Relapse. So, Glitch, for Retro Relapse... Uh, in the, in this episode, I uh, I feel like you you uh, you picked out uh, something that was surprisingly good because uh, lately you've been giving us some uh, well garbage. <laughs> I gotta mix them in. <laughs> I gotta give you some good ones and some bad ones. Uh, this one was actually a childhood favorite of mine, Stinger. Really? Yeah. So a uh, uh, Stinger uh, is a it's a shoot 'em up. Uh, it's made by Konami and it's actually uh, from the Twin B series, right? Yeah, I think I think in Japan it's Mario Twin B. Yeah, and uh, uh, as far as that goes, the Twin B series is, I mean, pretty popular as far as shooters go. the music go. in those games are fantastic. <laughs> the music was really good. I, I was pretty impressed with the music. The gameplay was pretty fun. Uh, you know, like, uh, unlike a, a lot of the games we've been covering lately, I feel like Stinger here was a bit of a gem. It was pretty great. And you said that you really liked it when you were a kid? Yeah, me and my brother played this game a lot because it is a, it's a co-op shooter. And, uh, and uh it's it's a bit bizarre. I think a lot of the games in the Twin B series are a little odd. Very think, fantasy. Like, the enemies you face are they're kind of bizarre. I feel like it was very and and, and may, maybe I'm a little off base here, a little crazy. Uh, and correct me if I'm I if you don't you know don't agree. But like it felt like the aesthetics were kind of pastel. 
like that kind of color, like the scheme, the color scheme reminded me of like pastels and stuff like that, like kind of like, uh, kind of like a, a brighter kind yeah, of. Yeah, soft blues. Yeah. yeah very, there's a lot of pink on the screen. Yeah. And then there's a, there's an enemy that's falling around. It looks like a, like a strawberry shortcake on a stick. Like those uh, frozen <laughs> strawberry shortcake ice creams. I, I. I do enjoy those strawberry shortcake <laughs> ice creams. I, I'm, 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 I'm a bigger fan of the toasted almond, but you know what? The strawberry shortcake. I'm okay. with you 100. Right? Toasted almond. Why is that not? So there's always. Sorry, we're gonna go derail for a second. <laughs> but this is a serious topic right now. Okay, they have eclairs. They have the chocolate eclairs. Uh-huh. Then they have the strawberry shortcake. Why isn't toasted almond? In like it just seems like whenever you go to the store, it's just those two. There's no toasted almond. You got to get the variety pack to get the toasted almond. The toasted almond is the best one. Toasted almond is the best one, and it is because I. And now here's a, a little bit of Craig's past. Uh, I used to work as the manager of a dairy frozen department, and uh, you know what it is, the clientele determines what is going to be stocked, right? Yeah. And in the area where I, the store I worked, it was a lot of elderly clientele. And they love their toasted almond. Oh, you lucky. So uh, the the store that I worked at, uh, it sold pretty well. So I had to buy it pretty pretty uh, pretty frequently. No, nope, I had to order it. My store never had them. It just, oh man, yeah. Just the eclair and the strawberries. <laughs> I'm sorry, glitch. It's the toasted <laughs> almond is the best of them. And you know what? I I I'm willing to to you know of course chat with the fans and hear their opinion. But if your opinion is that. The toasted almond isn't the best. I don't want to hear your opinion because you're wrong. Toasted almond is the greatest, and I do not apologize for that. Uh, so, uh, so stinger. Oh, huh, what? Oh, right, stinger. <laughs> oh, yeah, that uh, thing. Uh, it's it's your basic shooter. Well, so that thing too, and, and you guys didn't get to this part in the retro relapse. Mm-hmm. It changes from some from side scrolling to like a vertical shooter. Oh, that's pretty so cool. So the second level, uh, it's it's more like a vertical shooter. Like, um, oh my god, I'm blanking here because I know Gradius. Oh yeah, uh, Gradius was uh, side to side. Our type was a, a Superstar Soldier is vertical. Okay. Uh, so you know a game like that. I and I'm, I know there's a bunch of other vertical. But yeah, so that it changes between levels, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh yeah, that is neat. I uh, I'm 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 definitely sad we didn't get more time to to play with this one because it, it wasn't like it was an easy shoot 'em up, and most shoot 'em ups are pretty difficult by their nature just because it's just a a hail of uh, you know bullets flying your way and you have to dodge around them, and especially like in our case for retro relapse because you know it's all of us chatting amongst ourselves making jokes and playing this game yeah. while also trying to play the game and not die like an idiot like like I did, and uh, so yeah the uh, so glitch what do you give this on the eight bit scale? Um, I'd probably give this a five and a half. Five and a half? You know what? I was going to say a six out of eight. Okay. I feel like this was pretty solid and I wanted to play it more. And I think to me, that means that I should give it a little bit above a bump above the average. And I'm sure that the other uh, Twin B games get better as time goes by. You know, this was, you know, from the Nintendo. So, you know, it's quite old at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it, came out, it came out in 86, I think, 87 in North America. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... I mean, it's kind of short. I mean, most shooter games aren't really that long. That's true. But I feel like this one's even shorter for that. Oh, genre. really? Yeah. Uh, do you remember how many levels I there are? I it five or six. I oh, might be wrong on yeah, that. Yeah, that's not that much, I guess. That's kind of a shame. Um, but it, I mean, that I think that's the biggest downfall. Also, it says seven. Oh, seven levels. Yeah. So, I uh, so so maybe the some of the levels are a little short, and it just feels like they're there's you know less levels. Yeah. I uh, yeah, that is a shame. I I'm still gonna stick by the the six out of eight. I I you know I definitely wanted to play it a little more. I. Uh, 
So uh, as far as that goes, uh, you know, make sure to check out uh, our YouTube page, Gamezilla Media's uh, YouTube, because our uh, uh, playthrough is on uh, there as of uh, this recording, like later in the afternoon, right, Glitch? Yes. Yep. So um, uh, it's it's available early for Patreon. Yeah. Um, you can get it on Sunday, and then it comes out uh, the day of the episodes. Absolutely. Uh, make sure to check that out. And uh, I think it's time we get to our uh, music brackets yes, uh, uh, for today. So when it comes to the uh, uh, the music brackets today, we have uh, we, we have a we have a doozy for you guys. Yeah, this is tough. This is, this is this real is like tough. Semi-final final type of stuff right here. <laughs> so the first track we have is uh, the opening to, or in this case, the title screen uh, of Mega Man 2. Uh, so the mu- uh, music was composed by Takashi uh, Tateishi. Uh, and uh, I mean, Mega Man 2, it's legendary. It speaks for itself. It really yeah. does. Like, I, I don't even really have to say anything. Let's just go ahead and listen, and, and this will just do the talking for us. amazing yeah that's uh that's one of the greatest tracks i think on the nes you know what it's uh, mega man 2's music is phenomenal it's so good and uh i like even if two isn't your favorite or you don't think two is the best i mean it's still some of the best music even on the nintendo what i like about that song too um so if you've played if you played the first one i mean I, i imagine growing up I played these out of order like most people our age. Yeah. You know, we probably played two or three first before mm-hmm. we played the other ones. But the ending to one is it, you know, plays its ending theme and then um the beginning of two starts up with that ending theme. And so you're like, Oh, okay, so I see what they did. Yeah. They're gonna play the the ending song here and then boom, it it launches right into that track we just played. It just gets your energy pumping and it's just, yeah. It's one of those games that's like I'm ready. Let's do oh this. yeah, absolutely. It's uh, uh, they did a really good job with the the music and getting you pumped up and stuff. And uh, so, Mega Man Two is going against uh, uh it's actually going against a, a track from a Nintendo sixty four game, which uh, I didn't really expect to see a lot of in this list. And uh, but this one's pretty great. This is uh, uh the opening to uh James Bond 007 Golden Eye sixty four, and uh. So the music for uh, GoldenEye 007 uh, was uh, composed by uh, Graham Norgate, Grant Kirkhope, and Robin Beanland. And uh, uh, we've actually talked about this game on a previous episode of uh, yeah, Legend of Retro. Yeah, you and uh, Xander did an episode. Yeah, yeah, quite a long time ago at this point. Uh, but, uh, you know, we chatted a bunch about this game and how much, you know, it means to us and stuff and how much fun we had playing it. And uh, But, like, this opening is... 
not only does it really like is it really great but it also really encapsulates the James Bond feeling and coincidentally I've actually recently uh, finished up uh, uh, recording four episodes in a row on Last Action <laughs> Podcast all about James Bond uh, Thunderball Die Another Day and then our favorite and least favorite Bond uh, movie so make sure to check out Last Action Podcast yeah. of course but uh, uh, this is sort of a, a song I guess in honor of that uh, let's go ahead and uh, give it a listen That is a great track. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about Siphon Filter today and uh, mm-hmm. the music. Man, how great would that have been if that was a similar intro? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The, if you if you took Siphon Filter and then gave it the music from uh, GoldenEye 007 on Nintendo 64, I would have ate that up. <laughs> like, I would have lost it. I love it so much. I, I Like, on the episode when Xander and I talked, uh, you know, there are so many surprisingly good tracks like you you wouldn't really think like oh okay like a james bond license game like what, what are the odds it has good music but it has solid music yeah and and, and and you wouldn't think too with with a game like that you're not like oh you know you talk about obviously like Mega Man. Yeah. you're gonna talk about the music sure sure you talk about a shooter i mean you're not call of duty oh it's got great music no you don't <laughs> nobody, most shooters you're not mentioning that. the music but goldeneye has it has it, it, that's why it's on its own pedestal because it's just a phenomenal game it, it all is. around i i yeah i really enjoy goldeneye 007 and and it's uh and it's funny because you're right i i can't think of a lot of other shooters you know where it's like like oh that game has great music you know it's like i what like are you serious like that like i i can't imagine anybody goes around talking about like Fortnite's music talk it goes around talking about uh uh you know call of duty medal of honor you know it's just i don't know like i i don't really hear a lot of people talking about that and maybe they do have surprisingly good soundtracks and it just doesn't get a lot of uh, uh you know talk or whatever but i just Music just seems video game music just seems like one of those things that kind of gets gets like uh, set aside nowadays more. I mean, it's it's more like an afterthought, like because they build the game and then they and then they build the the music kind of on emotion with the games. And I just think that it's almost like 
well, we got to push for production. We got to push then this. Yeah. Let's just get a song out. Boom, boom, boom. And we're good. I, yeah, I will say that, uh, I, you know, like, I, I do think certain games do a great job of of getting the music right. Uh, you know, but uh, uh, in especially like more recent stuff, like even uh, uh, what is it like the Persona uh, Persona Five came out and that had amazing music, like super over the top, and that's a pretty new game. But I feel like that's also an RPG, and RPGs sort of they almost need good music. Like I, I, if you went back and like played Chrono Trigger and gave it just a really sloppy, crummy soundtrack, I don't know that it would be as well loved as it is. Well, I know, I, I mean. It, it works the same way because, like, out of War Four, that just came out last, you know, last mm-hmm. year. That that had great music too, as well. So yeah, so I guess that certain games are definitely doing like, it. If, but if they take the time, we hear it. Legend of Retro, we appreciate them. <laughs> yes, we really do. That is that. Uh, and and I, I. I do feel like I, you know, as soon as I jumped onto the show, it was just like, I just wanted to talk about the video game music. Like, as soon as I was on, I was just like, so are we going to talk about video game music yet? I. All right. So, uh, you know, we do have other, we've got to plug our other shows. So we do have everything else on the GameZilla Media Network. Yes. We have the Last Action Podcast, like Craig had mentioned, and mm-hmm. they just got done doing those Bond films. So be sure to listen to those. Uh, we have... On Tuesdays, the Games of Little Podcast, which is our uh, our head show for the yeah video network. game news. Um, uh, Wednesdays, you get your Noobs and Dragons with Craig WK, mm-hmm. taking the noobs through 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 a campaign as he as he torches them on a <laughs> torture. Yeah, every right, turn they enough. take. Uh, uh, Thursdays is a show. Friday we have uh, Movie Blast with Bob and Bax, and then be sure to check out the new show on Sunday. Yeah. And what's that, Greg? Noiseland Arcade. So uh, if you follow uh, Legend of Retro every week, then this isn't a surprise, of course. But if you cherry pick your episodes, uh, then uh, uh, last week we covered Bart versus the Space Mutants. And that was in honor of Noiseland Arcade, a new show that we started up. It releases every Sunday morning at 8 a.m., uh, 12 hours before the uh, regular showing of a Simpsons episode. And uh, basically it's uh, me and uh, my buddy, the arcade phantom, Sean. Uh, we go through and just pick apart uh, Simpsons episodes, and we're going in order. So our first episode was Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire, uh, which was their very first uh, uh, episode they ever released, uh, their Christmas special. And uh, as far as that goes, every week we're going to go ahead and just go in order and uh, get every uh, Simpsons episode. All the Simpsons episodes we want to. (laughs) Eventually we'll probably peter out and stop. So i got to ask you, Uh how do you you feel – Overall, about the first season of The Simpsons. Ooh, now uh, uh, that's a, a conversation we'll probably even delve into in even like a Patreon special for uh, Noiseland Arcade. But uh, honestly, I will say it's not as good as later seasons, like, you know, three and four. You know, at that point, they really start hitting their stride. But I will say that there there are some real great jokes hidden amongst some of the weird sitcominess of the first season. So uh, so do make sure to uh, follow us along, even for these early episodes, because uh, uh, there's some weird stuff that happens in the first season. Like, you know, yeah, Homer goes into space in uh, later uh, uh, seasons. But it gets weird and dark and heavy in the first season. So make sure to check these episodes out. Uh, but I. Uh, but yeah, uh, aside from that, uh, I'd mentioned Patreon. If you would like more content from us here at The Legend of Retro, as well as all of our other shows on the GameZilla Media Network, make sure to go to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media, where you're going to be able to uh, see uh, some of our perks. Uh, like uh, the glitch had said earlier, uh, there's early access for our Legend of uh, our Legend of Retro Retro Relapse videos. Uh, we release those on Sundays, uh, early access. 
But we also have a monthly show uh, called uh, Game Shark, where uh, some of the guys from the uh, uh, Legend of Retro, we get together and we give you a bonus episode every month. Yeah. Um, you can also find uh, additional content for all of the other shows. Uh, Noobs and Dragons has uh, has bonus content as mm-hmm. well as uh, the Games Little Podcast. So yeah, there's a bunch of stuff, and there's stuff coming for Noiseland Arcade. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a whole lot of uh, stuff on our uh, uh, Patreon page. So if uh, if you're interested in supporting us, or you even just want more stuff from us, make sure to check that out. Of course. And after you watch the retro rel- relapses, be sure to check out Craig WK Long plays. Ah, yes, I've uh, 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 covered quite a few RPGs where I play through them. I do all the voices. Uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, going through games. I think currently I am on Breath of Fire three, and uh, I said I think because I I wasn't sure if I would finish it, but I, there's no way I'm going to finish it in time. <laughs> it's so such a long game. Uh, but I uh, uh, yeah, I've been having a ton of fun with that. And uh, aside from that, uh, make sure to check out our uh, Discord page. Uh, join us on Facebook so you can, of course, vote on the uh, uh, the uh, opening music bracket that we're doing right now. Uh, you know, make sure to get your vote heard. We've already had uh, in this bracket uh, was uh, something that lost by one vote, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like we bring this up every time. <laughs> well, in this case, I wanted to bring it up just because I want everyone to know their votes matter. It's, you know, but but yeah, I I, uh, I was kind of, oh, it was so depressing. Earth got lost. Oh, yeah. But uh, but no, yeah, it, uh, it, your votes definitely do matter. They they definitely swing things. So make sure to uh, go ahead and uh, check out, uh, uh, you know, our Facebook page so you can join in the voting. You know, like I said, join our Discord so you can uh, chat with us there. Uh, you know, we have a, a ton of stuff to offer you. So, you know, make sure to, uh, check out gamesillamedia.com. Uh, but aside from that, uh, I think uh, it's about time that we uh, kind of wrap things up, huh, Glitch? Yeah, I think we're all set. I mean, be sure to be sure to play Siphon Filter if you haven't played it. I know it's a bit of an older game, but uh, I think it, it, it still kind of holds up Aside from the controls. So. <laughs> well, now uh, now we've got that uh, PlayStation Classic, so it's an easy way for you yeah. to play this, uh, uh, you know, uh, one of the Glitch's favorite games. And even though some of my favorite games didn't make it to the oh. PlayStation Classic, like I wanted them to, like Breath of Fire 3. I mean, the, the PlayStation Classic's a whole other topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know that I'm advocating for you to buy one, but. Considering it's 50% off currently. <laughs> 50% off? Yikes, yeah, that didn't go over very well, did it? Uh, so if you decide to pick one up on a whim or a family member bought it for you because they, I don't know, don't love you enough, uh, make sure to uh, play Siphon Filter and think of the glitch. And if you have any issues with the game, if, if you've got some complaints, oh, you- jump on our Discord and make sure to let the glitch know. Let me know all the glitches that you find. <laughs> but uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you all next time. When the legend continues.